Alex Kidd. He's a valued member of our podcast. Ah, uh, yes. Hello and welcome to Disembodied Voices episode 138 for August 19th, which is a Tuesday of 2014. I'm experimenting with new ways to say the date, and I think I found the perfect method. This is an audio log that you've discovered, um, wherein you will witness the normal, average, day-to-day podcast of a video game crew who will soon have misfortune befall them. So Disembodied Voices is a video game podcast. (laughs) I am Brian Kelly, your host, and joining me today is uh, Zachary Walton. Hello, Zachary. Yeah, hi. I'm here. And my brother, Stephen Kelly. I'm just trying to make the intro more enthralling. And that zombie creature over there who is trying to eat us. Yes, see... Hello, Cameron. How are you doing? Uh, no, I wish Cameron was here. He, he's gone for like two weeks in a row. He is indeed gone this week. We have actually been covering it up. We have killed Cameron. Well... It finally uh, happened. When you say we, you actually mean me, right? I pretty much do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had to happen. One of us had to go. <laughs> yeah, and it was a pretty obvious choice, so. <laughs> and when you, when you put us in a cage match, <laughs> you, you think no, I would lose. Really, Cameron is absent this week because he's busy doing important things in his life, and I hope all goes well for him. Hmm, that's novel. Okay, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, with all that boringness out of the way, how are you all doing today? With all that boringness out of the way, let's get to the really boring part of the podcast, how we're doing today. I love that um, part. That's my favorite part of the whole podcast. Today, um, to drop the curtain for a second, is actually a Monday, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, and it's it's a productive Monday. Monday is the day where I look at all my lists and figure out what I need to do that week. Um, and I have a lot of incentive, incentive Not in, I'm not being insensitive about it, but I have a lot of incentive to get them all done as fast as possible. Hmm. Because what I actually want to be spending my time with is not the meeting I have after this podcast, and is not my entire to-do list, and isn't even this podcast, but is playing more Divinity Original Sin. Yes, that game is amazing. It, it, it's a special video game. It really like is. A game it's designed my, for you and I. It is my favorite RPG I've played in a very long time so far. Yes. Um, and I, I have played one Divinity game before. I played um, Divine Divinity. Me too. And it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I just watched you play it. I, I think remember. you just watched me play it a little bit. It I felt watched- like, oh man, I don't even, kind of Diablo style, but more of an open RPG. Um, yes. There, were, there was funny dialogue. There was funny dialogue. It was quite good, but the combat wasn't... I am really not a fan of Diablo-style combat, so that kind of turned me off from it. And I much, much, much prefer this turn-based stuff we're seeing in Original Sin so far. Well, let's give a little bullet point list on what this game offers, and I'll give you a 1 out of 5 rating of how much I like it in video games. All right. Do I need to do the list? You do. You, you give me the list, I'll give you the rating. Okay. Um, let's start with... Turn-based combat. Five of five. Um, Well-integrated and complete cooperative play. A zillion of five. Really, really, that's a terrible way to describe it. Immersive open-world gameplay. Um, I, three, I don't really know what that means. Okay, <laughs> like, totally open. 
in its gameplay. Oh, uh, four. You quite like that. Yeah, sometimes many of Sometimes it it's boring. Uh, like classless all character games. creation. Um, it's five. Five. Okay. Um, humorous yet, um, weighty dialogue. Five of five. Um, wait, there was one that was really good about this game that I'm forgetting. Am now. I knowing anyone else by saying five of five? I don't think that means anything. Five out of five. <laughs> you were driving me crazy. Um, let's see here. I need more bullet points. I'm trying okay, to well, think. You're getting the, the, okay, getting I'm the gonna, picture here. Yes. All of these things have never existed in a video game before. They all happen oh, to be oh, our oh, favorite Oh, rock, things. paper, scissors, morality system. Seven out of seven. <laughs> the scale just went up. Yep. Or it's as Karen like, would say, like, uh, seven out of purple. It's sort of like Alex Kidd, but uh, better. not Alex Kidd. So <laughs> what's, what's really amazing about this game is it feels like the RPG we always said should exist, and someone designed it around what we like. Almost to the point where these elements should not stick together. Because we always say, man, I wish every game had a Dragon Age-style combat system of cooldowns and, you know, possible mm-hmm. top-down party members. Like, well, we only want the turn-based part, and it needs to be fully integrated with multiplayer and storytelling. Exactly. <laughs> and then we always, we've said, it would be really cool if there's a game where you were just playing these two people who are their own distinct characters, and you could, like, have conversations with each other as you went through the game, arguing about what you should be doing and developing your characters that way. And this is the first game I've seen that integrates it like that. Yeah. Um, so basically how it works for people who have not played Divinity Original Sin is you're eat- when you start the game, you can only play with uh, two players in cooperative. When you start the game, you both create your own character. Um, yes. And it's really neat because you get to you get to create them side by side on the same screen. So right. I'm so seeing see your the character other changes, my character changes. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Then when you play through the game, different events uh, will trigger uh, like moral choices. And if you're both in range of the event and partaking in it, you both have your response to those moral choices. But it's more than just you both vote on a dialogue option like Bioware did in The Old Republic. Instead, whoever's initiating the conversation will say something like, Old man, I'm going to throw you in the river. Because apparently he's not very nice. And that the, would happen. Then the other game. guy could either agree with him or disagree with him. On top well, of let's, that... Let's give a quick example for our friend Zachary. Oh, yeah. Let's Zachary. go with the Ishmael example. Yes. So, so Ishmael... So, so, let's talk over each other first. Yeah. So, and let's just assume that Zach has now already played about six hours of this game. And, and he actually knows what... I mean, like, you mean, like, Ann has done that quest in particular. What? I thought you we said We are assuming that, Zachary, because we're doing this for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do, I am aware you have played this game before. But Wait, I, I didn't know that. Play. I thought I talked to you about it, Zach, and you, you didn't act like you I played mean, it. I mean, like, we talked for like two minutes yesterday after the anime thing. Oh. And oh. you were just saying that you were going to go play it with Brian, and I said, have fun. And oh. I, and, and I was the one who gave you the advice that one person should at least have one, like, mean like... Uh, oh, that's right! should have at least one, uh, at least one like healing skill because if Why not, you have a, a rough time of it starting out. Because I have game no is difficult. It it is. It's not too hard so far. No, we've gone very measured into it. Yeah, we've been pretty careful. I'm I'm sorry, Zachary. I don't know why I assumed you hadn't played this game. It makes so much more sense in my worldview that you have played it. So yeah, it's actually kind I of mean, comforting. Like I'm actually a fan of those games and Larian Studios. Like I play all of the yeah. Infinity games. So. Okay, so for the audience. For Zachary, <laughs> sure. who does not played this game before, for our <laughs> example here, 
Ish Michelle is a talking shell who wants to. I could never be as verbose as him, so I'm going to. Um, I'm going paraphrase. to paraphrase here. Yes, I know the word, Stephen. Please. Stop okay. Being so rude. Um, okay. He wants to be cast back into the sea, which he believes is his true home, but is currently washed up on the shore. And so you come upon him, begging you to throw him in the shore. Well, being a good person that I am, I said, "Sure, we'll throw you. Sure, shell, we'll throw you off the shore." And normally that would work. Would be just shell. I mean, swell. But I kind of tagged along with this encounter, and Brian could no longer just do what he wanted with with Ish Michelle, for I had input since I was in range of the conversation. And I said, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, via dialogue tree. We could totally sell this guy in the market and make a lot of money. And so then we went back and forth a couple of times with dialogue options, arguing, yep, y- y- making roles from our, like, charisma and, um, what other, <laughs> Reason, charisma and yeah. whatever other stats there were, until we came to an impasse. We were matched equally with points, and so right. we had to play rock, paper, scissors for the fate of Ish Michelle. That we did. Unfortunately, Stephen was playing that mind game a whole lot better than I was, and uh, <laughs> we ended up taking Ish Michelle to sell him. However, once he was in my inventory, I wanted to talk to Ish Michelle. Apparently, use means, like, eat Ish Michelle, though. So, <laughs> buy Ish Michelle, but my water resistance is much higher now. <laughs> so that was our, uh, our little experience there in the morality of divinity. And the, cr- the the crazy and hilarious thing is that this stuff just um, keeps happening. Yeah, it's a it's a huge game. We probably spend an hour or two running around the town, and we still haven't solved the mystery of who yep. killed the man who was killed. Oh man, I just I enjoy like everything about this game so far. It's what I yeah. want every RPG. Well, not literally every RPG to be, but it's sure the direction I want RPGs to go in. The way quests unfold and you discover things is. Actually, it feels like you're in an adventure and not like you're just looking for the next waypoint. Oh, yeah. There really aren't waypoints. But you just uh, run it's around not and like you're feeling lost the whole time and it's just trying to be hardcore. It feels like it's just actually trying to create an adventure. Um, yes. It's going to be kind of rare. What Which do you is, think about it so far, Zachary? Um, I mean, I like it. It's vastly different from any of the, uh, from the prior games, especially... Um, uh, I mean, like, I mean, like, especially with, I mean, especially with, with like Divinity Two, which is like, you know, like, which was like my favorite in the series for like, you know, a long time, mm-hmm. and that was like, you know, your usual like uh, behind the shoulder third person action RPG, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, I liked it a lot, but that was more or less for the writing, not so much for the gameplay. Um, right. And I mean, I feel that this game like really nails both of them. Yeah, the it writing just, is fantastic. It just kind of feels like I'm not getting the full experience because I'm playing it by myself. Right. Uh, because, I mean, like, the game really does feel like it was built with co-op in mind first and foremost. That's true. Yeah, there are a lot of, um, just how that is on the party with those two major characters. Yeah, which, yeah. which I mean, like, you know, which, I mean, like, whenever the, like, you know, moral choices and the battling comes up, it's it's essentially just like me arguing with myself, and I'm not very good at that in terms of like you know role playing two different people, well, like opposing Zachary, sides of the spectrum. So I th- usually just like end up agreeing with myself. <laughs> the solution here is to get Sully to play as one of them. That is, Sully wouldn't know how video to play that game. content. 
<laughs> Soli couldn't play this game. He's he's very bad at video games. Just Contrary have him what just he claims. Just let him choose the moral choices for one of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> he would do everything in his power to make sure that I would end up getting stabbed or something. Though, Pretty much. <laughs> well, bullet point number whatever we were on for things that we like in games, role-playing is encouraged. Yeah. And your characters can actually come across fairly well, which yeah. delights us. Yeah. Yeah, I really... I um, The writing is something that has really uh, pleasantly surprised me at this game. I've not played many Divinity games before, except like the first couple of hours of Divine Divinity, so I'm not like familiar with the writing. And so it's been a very pleasant surprise to see a, uh, an RPG that gives me amusing... And enjoyable writing, while also giving me characters that that have more depth than what I'm used to. So it offers that humor, and it also offers that... Um, it's the kind of um, depth that I believe is uh, untapped for just about any Western RPG you play, if only they hired talented writers. You mean most it's, Western RPGs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what did I say? No, I just thought, how you said it meant that... Could have implied that this game did not have talented writers. Oh, no, this game does... Most don't. Yeah. It's I guess not it, that the event... Yeah. Like, we're going to a peaceful, kind of, I don't know, sunny medieval town, mm-hmm. and a murder has happened, and there are orcs invading, and that's boring. That's That happens yeah. in a million games. Right. But when you talk to people, they're interesting, there's a, and they have vocabulary. Yeah. There's a depth to what's going on. Also, characters can be good, and characters can be evil, and good things are bad. Horrible things you can find, but it doesn't feel like a world that just says, look at how grisly we are, which so much Western fantasy No, it's comedic. It's quite comedic. Um, but it also, it's able to take things with seriousness and weight when that is necessary. And I never I mean, know what's going to happen. The quickest way I can describe this game, and people from a certain era will perhaps relate with that is it's what i always wanted neverwinter nights to be um it's a colorful broader turn-based whenever i play neverwinter nights i want to experience this idea of a party embarking and all doing their own things and coming back and discussing what they found and exploring this open world but guided rpg experience but i always feel so claustrophobic when i play neverwinter nights everything feels closed in the story it doesn't have any interesting hooks. It's just a lot of death and despair. The um, the, the level design is just... To, I'm trying to become interested in it, but every turn is just making me want to stop playing. And instead of encountering a, a huge village full of unique NPCs that have quest after quest and opinions to experience, right. you never want to. You're stuck in like... You're stuck in this plagued city with a bunch of people who don't want to talk yeah. to you, probably. But I mean, and if, hate you. If I was to find a game that this game is like most based on, it would absolutely be Neverwinter Nights. I haven't played Baldur's Gate, so I'm not like certain how many of the influences. Or I played like the first couple hours, but I'm not certain how many of the influences came from that. But how mm-hmm. it's very, it's developed with a toolkit in mind. It's developed um, with a multiplayer very uh, front of mind. It's. Uh, this idea of everyone going out and exploring but convening together for the main story points, just its flow is very reminiscent of how Neverwinter Nights played. I would love to see them patch in proper four-player support. That would be neat. Um, that Yeah, I really like... I, oh, yeah, I, I and appreciate and enjoy the Nights scope. Though. ...was the henchmen um, are, like, work exactly like in Neverwinter Nights. You can find them in bars, hire them, fire them, whatever... And they'll come fire mine, and then have conversations mm-hmm. with them. But they're not like story beats are giving you party members, at least not yet. And they're butting in on 
stuff yeah. that we're doing. So very similar, very very similar to Neverwinter Nights, but yeah. in my opinion, just yet again better. Um, yeah, and the music, the music is great too. It's it's interesting. I really, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think of it. So far. I, it's all over the place, but I really really like whatever I hear. So the implementation. I never get to hear. I start to like something and then I get distracted, mm. and then I don't hear it again for two hours. Well, I like so it I'm because it's interesting and it's very easy to be um, boring in a game like this with your soundtrack. Yeah. To That's be monotonous, true. to be the same as everything else, and although it seems a little scattered, I can't figure out like what's town music and what is just music playing and what's causing the trigger and all mm-hmm. that. When I listen to it, I'm always really enjoying it. So it would be a great soundtrack to own, I'm sure. I wonder if it's. I wonder if it was included in the special edition. Maybe. Uh, no. I mean, Kickstarter awards is probably like in there uh, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't kickstart it. We just purchased no. it on Valve's Steam. We got that cool bundle that comes with two copies for like. $70 or something. Yep, also comes with the DLC and two other Divinity games. Yeah, so that was a really good deal for how we're playing it. So. Neat game. Uh, maybe once I play through this a couple times and really get used to it, I'll, uh, or get sick of it, I will move on to trying the other older Divinity games again. Are they co-op? Are any of them co-op? I, don't, I know that no, I'd just be on my own. No, they're not. Oh, Bummer. Uh, Dragon Commander is multiplayer, but that is actually like the RPG RTS hybrid game they made. Ah, gotcha. I'm really curious to see how much traction this gets in the modding community for it. Like it new already campaigns. has a lot of mods. Well, I saw one of the first mods added uh, was remove freckles from female faces. So, Ooh, so they're getting <laughs> they're the important the right stuff track. first. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, like I mean, new new campaigns, um, right? Uh, well, like I mean, like they, I mean, like you know, that is, I guess, like you know, uh, their major intent is to like you know let people make their own. Like, you know, that would be amazing. That's amazing. I mean, like, I mean, like, since they actually you know built this engine to mm-hmm. be completely moddable by fans, so, so I mean, like, that's kind yeah. of what they're hoping is that, it, is that people will go and actually make new stuff with it, and they themselves are actually going to just be making like you know new campaign add-ons for free as it goes on. I was about to ask, have they announced if they're creating more story and like expansions? Yeah, are they working on yeah. that? Awesome. Yeah, and they said that it's not going to be like you know how most games do it, to where like you know you go and like you know download something. It's just going to be like organically added into the game. That is that is super cool. I'm just so excited for this game because I haven't been excited. Like Shadowrun came out and a couple other things that create like new platforms for RPGs. And from what I've seen in this game so far, it's an engine and a platform that I just really, really enjoy. So I'm excited to see where it grows. I, haven't lat- I-, I wanted to latch on to Neverwinter Nights for this so much. People were always saying what a flourishing mod community it got, but just everything about that game turned me off. Um, well, I mean, be a Neverwinter negative Nancy, as you will, but uh, the game had amazing modding tools. Oh, no. I think that's why I was so sad I didn't enjoy the engine. Partially right. because I honestly don't love games that adhere too strictly to D&D rules, uh, which it did. Yeah, yeah um, that is, that's essentially the, the reason why I cannot play those games. I know. It's they just... just like, in, like, it's fun playing it with friends, but yes. whatever, I mean, like, it's just weird playing it, like, in a... I mean, like, it's it, it it's weird having to adhere to those rules in a video game form because... I don't like, think they translate they, well. They just feel, like, too restricting they feel limiting games. yep yep they feel like you're trying to be something else and it doesn't work this divinity works much better interestingly steven there's already a mod for four player support in divinity not yeah to let you to let other people play as the henchmen so i saw that and that that would work just fine yeah i mean you'd have to 
be willing to take a backseat role. Yeah, but if can you're you equip henchmen with inventory and stuff? You can do it. just about anything. Right. I haven't leveled up my henchmen yet, so I don't know if they can do that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they can. I'm guessing. I mean, I was giving him water barrels, right. and he was, he used my pack mules. So yeah, you could probably get a pretty good four-player game going on. But I, I could imagine them, uh, like, in a later campaign, just putting full four-player, create four-players. But for now, it's so incredible that two players can go anywhere they want as far as i know seamlessly have their own conversations complete quests by themselves or regroup and participate in the same yeah. dialogue uh dialogue tree dialogue tree that's what i'm looking for uh, i mean that's that's such an amazing feat i'm not going to complain that it only lets you do two players i quite actually appreciate that scope oh it's perfect for us because we don't feel like we're missing anything which is like, yeah really lucky because whenever there's like a four-player game it's like well there are those four switches we need to be standing on or whatever um yes it feels bad though in this game we could command our people to do it interestingly another mod is uh dyes like color dyes which is something i was noticing would be great in the game as you're going through it. Wait, oh, color, color, there's dying stuff? Good. In, in a mod, yes. Someone modded it. Because I do not like my brown robe. It is boring. I that. Yep. I want a blue one or a red one. Cool. I'd take a green one. All right. So, yeah, I'm excited about continuing in this game. I hope, I hope we continue to like it because we often unearth problems we don't, things we don't like with games as we continue to play them. Although I, I think, think the most important question here, though, is have you guys uh, in? I mean, or me, or me like, um, uh, have you guys invested in the pet pal skill yet? No, we have not. Did you? We ha- yeah. we have not because we're strictly role playing, and our characters don't like animals. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate because pet pal is awesome. I plan to make a awesome. second playthrough with a character who would get that. Yeah, um, it's actually really fun, just because actually there are a number of side quests that. Um, yep. Uh, um, uh, that you get from the animals in town. Awesome. I think my favorite part so far has been this portrait I found. It was in someone's basement, and it's like a portrait of a pig rubbing his hoofs together maliciously. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, wait, did, did you steal it? No, I took a picture of it, though. Oh, good. Okay, that's good enough. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah. Oh my gosh, I just... I want to talk about this game more, but even more than that, I want to play it. So we can move on to um, other things we've been doing. Uh, other things? Um, was, if there's uh, been anything. Zachary, do you have any other th- things? I don't think we do. Um, I mean, if we're, you know, going to be talking about, like, or, I mean, if this week is going to be the European RPG fun times. Why not? Game, Last time it was Japanese so- RPGs. Now yeah, it's European. Yeah, do, do European RPGs. Uh, so, yeah, I know, like, Risen 3 came out. That's week, right. So. so, what do you think of yeah. it? Uh, it's just, it feels almost like they realized that. I mean, it feels like they realized that Risen Two wasn't that great. I mean, granted, like I actually like. I mean, like I actually really enjoyed Risen Two for what it was. Yeah. But, I mean, it definitely did feel like kind of like a step backwards from the Gothic Three and Risen kind of. How's that? Like, like less freedom. Freedom. Yep. And just being able to do what you want. To where they, to where they, like you know, had like you know, sectioned off, like you know, to to, to where like you know, like moving to the piratical theme, basically was like you know, sectioning off each area as its own little island and everything. Yep. And it just Wind it, it, it. it felt very fragmented. Yeah. Um, Risen Three still has that setup to where you are, you know, in the to where you are in like the same area, going to the same islands, 
So I because I think that they wanted to to save money on that, so they actually like uh, reuse uh, a lot of the assets from the islands that you went to in Risen Two. They're just like a bit different because it's a few years later. Um, mm-hmm. But the story is different. It's 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 actually better this time because it's like the pirates aren't really a thing anymore. I mean, like uh, you start off as a pirate, but then you get killed at the beginning of the game, and then you are no longer a pirate. So it works out. So they're very specifically sacrificing their pirate motif. Yeah, and pretty else. much, I think that actually, um, uh, PC gamer put it best as in like you know those that did not like Risen Two, they will be happy t- to know that. To know that the whole like pirate nonsense from Risen Two gets killed off in the first fifteen minutes of the third game. So what? So it's like about Risen Three is like its selling point of expanding the series. Uh, I mean, really, what it goes back to is what is basically what the Gothic series did. It you know, you know what Risen did in terms of like really like pushing the freedom to like be who you want to to be as a character because like because like the last game you were a pirate and you had no choice in the matter yeah whereas in this game compared compared to like you know compared to like you know how how it was with risen and and to where like there are a number of factions and you can join up with one faction it get and joining that one faction essentially makes all the other factions hate you, and you have to like, mm-hmm. you know, choose carefully what you want. Especially because this game, they actually brought back, um, uh, they, they, um, uh, they brought back magic, which was not in Risen Two, thanks to like this like dumb story thing, which oh, is gosh. Like, Risen Two's combat not as fun because because that because that game's combat was basically just like you know swords and guns, whereas now it's swords, guns, and magic, um, and but like. Uh, but but you can only learn certain kinds of magic depending on like uh, which faction you join. Okay. And like, I I personally like that more because it. I guess like you know one it the game does encourage you to to go back and like you play it again to like you know trap the other factions and I always do appreciate when games do that. But also it right. I mean like you know. Not letting you learn like all the magic in like you know one playthrough, I think allows you to like to like really dig deep into like that school of magic and learn how to specialize in it, and it's more fun for me that way. Mm-hmm. I very much appreciate it when games um, force you to make some choices. You know, you can't do everything all the time. Uh, World of Warcraft always frustrates me when. And the developers try to homogenize the classes so everyone can be a healer and everyone right. can be a DPS and so on and so on. Because then it's like, well, if everyone's everything, then no one's really anything, and we're all yeah. just, uh, we're all just this, this, doing the same thing. Yeah, which is boring. Town. Divinity seems to do a fairly good job of that by making there a lot of things, but giving you very few points to put into it, and then you know by making yes. it classless. You're not going to be able to specialize in everything at once. Uh, while in World of Warcraft, if you're playing a rogue, you kind of get everything rogue. So, no, that's that's very true. Yeah, I'm, I prefer that. One. Uh, so, what kind of character are you creating, Zach? Uh, well, I mean, like, I actually haven't like been able to like join like um, uh, a faction yet because I'm not that far into it. Because mm-hmm. I've been I've, I've I've been so busy with other things this past week that I've not been able to, to play a lot of it. Right. But, 
I'm probably going to be joining up with the um, uh, Inquisition, which allows you to use like crystal magic, which is you know more of I guess like your general like like fantasy trope. Fireballs. Like, um, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah like essentially. Um, but you can also join up with the Demon Hunters, and they have more of like the like you know dark based magic. Um, or you can join up with the with with the Tribals, and that. And that actually gives you access to Voodoo. And Voodoo is actually, like, the one magic that was actually in Risen 2, even though it wasn't called a magic in that game. And that is more or less allowing you to, like, change your shape, which allows you to, like, you know, turn into, like, a parrot or a monkey and stuff to, like, you know, do stealth. Ah, neat. Because everyone knows how stealthy monkeys and parrots are. (laughs) Well, it's more or less, you know, since you are, like, you know, in the tropics seeing a monkey in your oh. house it's just kind of like you know oh look you know a monkey who cares <laughs> look at that silly monkey he's in my house again yeah pretty much <laughs> right in the cookie jar that's um, monkey and i guess what was also nice compared to risen 2 was that like you know i mean like because like the gothic series and risen 1 had the system in place to where like um to where like if you killed something it stayed dead whereas in risen 2 had it to where like you know if you left an area then came back all the enemies would like you know be back Whereas in Risen 3 went back to the things just stay dead. I uh, I love it when things stay dead. Yep. If if it at all serves the gameplay. Yeah. Um, that's one of my yeah. least favorite things about old like NES games and stuff. I hate going to another screen, coming back and everything being alive after I worked very hard to make the opposite true. Right. <laughs> which is uh, which I mean like it serves it well it, I mean like it serves it well in the Risen games because like you're not meant to level up that fast. It, it, in these games you're meant to like really choose your levels very carefully, choose your stats very carefully. And so doing mm-hmm. it that way, like, makes you more, like, reliant on your skill and your companions in combat instead of having to just, like, you know, go through like, an area like it, um, uh, you know, like five times just to grind and just to, like, you know, get some stats up just so you can, like, you know, get through the next area, like, you know, like, um, uh, on your own, which, I mean, like, I actually like how they really make you rely on your companions. And those and they're actually kind of important because this game added in like kind of a like it I mean like they added in like this like kind of like a morality system, but not really. Um because like the whole thing is that like, you know, um uh at the start of the game you're um uh the like Shadow Lord kills you and like you know, you know he takes your soul and then this like voodoo guy uh revives your body but your soul is not there anymore. And so basically, is you trying to get your soul back from the underworld? Um, oh my. Um, but like, but like, um, as they have set up at the start though, you still have like, you know, full control over all their faculties, over your morality, everything like that. But like, the more evil you do, the like, less soul you'll have, which then like, puts you closer to the underworld allowing the demons to take control of your body. And so there's this system in place to, uh, to, to where, like, you know, the more bad deeds you commit, the more, like, uh, demonic you'll become to whereas, and you will be able to have, like, um, to basically where, like, to basically where, like, all the humans won't want to partner with you, but you'll be able to summon demons from hell to help you out. Okay, so you have to choose your side, essentially. Yeah. And... Okay, I thought it was neat how in, like, it reminds me of in Morrowind and maybe other Elder Scrolls games, if you summoned a Deidre in towns, guards would try to attack them and kill them. And I love it when 
the darker magics are have consequences in the world and how people treat you. Or what about just anything having consequences? For example, going back to divinity for, divinity for a second, uh, a a townswoman got real freaked out at me when I ran up to her with my glowy fire staff shoved right in her face. I realized that I should probably sheathe my weapons before talking to people. Um, I know other games that yeah. do that. Elder Scrolls to a lesser extent. I like those hatchets. Yeah. Oh, show. So, how far have you gotten in Resent at this point? Uh... I put maybe like six hours in it now. Um, I more or less like I actually like tried to do like most of the quest on like on like um, uh, one island, and then I realized that I hit a brick wall in term in term in terms of difficulty. Like at, because like the next section had these like really powerful enemies, so I left and you know went somewhere else. And now I'm trying to like clean a a town out from like the shadow hounds that have invaded it and going to go help all the, the townspeople and figure out who died, who didn't to go tell the mayor and stuff. Gotcha. You know, you, you wow, that sounds RPG a lot fair. That's what we're doing in Divinity so we can yeah. we can be allies true. Yeah. in heroicness. Uh, I mean, but I mean, it basically, you know, still has, you know, the same kind of gameplay, so like, you know, if you don't like the gothic style of combat to where, it, to where it's very much like, you know, holding in the right mouse button to to block and parry attacks until you find, I mean, like, um, uh, uh, I mean, like, I mean, like, um, uh, I mean, like, until the enemy um, uh, leaves itself open for you. I mean, it's very slow, very dull combat. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I like it. I, I, I think it's fun. Like, I mean, like, you know, it definitely lacks the grace of the Soul series, which has a very similar combat system. Wait, Soul Caliber? Uh, no. Soul Calibur would be Dark Souls. Oh, yeah, this is, like Soul Calibur is a great yeah. combat system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in true. terms of, like, you know, in terms of, like, just, like, all the... I mean, because, like, the because like the Soul series gives you, like, lots of options yes. to how to fight, and all weapons have, like, you know, I mean, like, um, uh, I mean, like, all the swords have, like, you know, very different movesets, whereas in, in Risen and Gothic, pretty much all the swords have the same moveset. It's just... It's just, you know, more about, like, you know, getting swords with better stats instead of actually, like, you know, them directly affecting the gameplay. So, quick roundtable um, here. What is everyone's favorite uh, RPG combat system? Uh, I'm into Dragon Age a lot. Okay. Um, the first one. Yeah, I mean, I would probably give a similar answer, I think. I mean, it combines kind of turn-based-ish with MMO, so it's really hard to not like that for my tastes. Uh, what about you, Zachary? Are we, like, just, like, saying, like, among RPGs, or, like, are we doing, like, uh, the best turn-based, best action? Like Any. Like, <laughs> any RPG. Any, JRPG, uh, Western RPG, anything. I mean, I guess probably Dark Souls. Yeah, that's a good pick, oh, and I might pick that as well once I play more of it. I remember Demon Souls being excellent. I also just kind of like MMOs in general. Yeah, um, yeah, like, WoW has like a great one. System. Guild Wars Speaking might MMOs, have one of the best. That's pretty awesome, you're right. Um, but the Lord of the Rings Online just sent me an email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, no, guys, I have enough MMOs to play. What's your pitch? And they said, from the Shire to Lothlorien, adventure in a masterful recreation of Middle-earth, and then a big green button to do that. And that's a good pitch. <laughs> that's actually a really great... But it's still the only way. I know. 
I could go walk. Oh, no, I can play Lego Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> what, what I want is I just want a game like, you know how people always say walking simulators are out there. I just want a walking simulator where you play as a hobbit in first person and just can walk around Middle Earth and nothing tries to kill you. Yes. Well. With like Dear Esther level visual fidelity. Yeah, yeah, mm, yep. That would be so cool. I mean, the dream would be the Elder Scrolls Middle Earth. Yeah. In a way, I'd almost like this more, though, because there would be no janky town people and quests and dragons to kill. It would just be walking around an empty Middle Earth. Janky town people, quests, and dragons are staples of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's Those are things that I want to experience. Weird hobbits saying weird uh, things. Yes. Definitely need to find a dragon or two. I, I'm just um, saying that once th- you go that route, I, it wouldn't be completely focused on just creating the scenery. And I just think that would be a cool game concept. Is sure. This empty, oh, it you sure remember would. that Citadel app they put out for the Unreal? Oh, like yeah, that. I, I definitely just like do. Exploring this medieval world and the entire focus of it is on creating that visual fidelity and the sense of atmosphere and not on anything else i think they could what if they made an on rails game no called oliphant are you like shooting oliphant safari and you just use your oliphant super yes yes oh my gosh no though in the lord of the rings world you'd have to like weirdly enough i can imagine shooting down people who are popping up in oliphants like in a light gun style game really well no no it's not shooting people it's it's taking pictures of them. Oh! Um, Oliphant Snap. Oliphant Snap. Now, that's way better. You get what I'm saying? And But the problem is, in Middle Earth, you'd have to make paintings of them. Um, so it would be a lot harder. That's really stupid. But possible. <laughs> so, let's see here. I have read more of that first Witcher book. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's very nice. I, too, have been reading game books. Oh, really? What? Yeah. I actually picked up a copy of Console Wars. Oh, right. I saw you tweeting about that or something. What do you think of it? Yeah. So far, it's really good. I mean, like, if... I mean, like, I would say that it is uh, required reading for the Sega fan. If you are a fan of all things Sega. Oh, yeah. You definitely want to read that book because it gives you a lot of insight into how Sega came back from being, you know, the bottom player in the U.S. to being the top player for at least a few years. Hmm. Does it go through the Dreamcast and their no, 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 the, no. This basically is basically just how they basically went from um, went from when the Genesis first launched to basically how that became the number one console for a few years in the U.S. Uh, until the SNES came back. Oh, uh, okay. And, you know, yeah, it basically is just how Sega went up against like you know the titans of the industry and basically came out on top through a mixture of like you know really. Uh, really witty marketing, like really incredible marketing, like executives. Uh, I mean, like it's it basically is, is just like you know, it basically is just like a profile of the people who basically made Sega USA what it was back in the early nineties. Hmm. I loved Sega in the early nineties. I loved how much they didn't care that they were being extremely aggressive and at times unfair yeah yeah no i mean like that is pretty much like you know part of what that book is is and also learning the little nugget about how apparently uh sega in the u.s actually uh they were the ones who designed sonic as he is now wait said how so apparently the sonic that was made in japan had like long teeth a dog collar and a big busted girlfriend. I, 
I not, I don't seem to remember those specific details. And I read the the Sonic the Hedgehog history book. Uh, well, I think it would have been in there. I, part of me feels that that book was also made by the Japanese branch, and they and they also wouldn't want you to know that part of it. Actually, I think that might have been in a, in a approved third party thing. Yeah, written in America, right. but yeah, I I think I remember the girlfriend thing, and if you remember from last week. I did say Sonic and Amy had amazing dialogue. Right, yeah. It probably would have been even more amazing. Right, yeah, I mean, like... If they had stuck with the uh, with the roots of the series. I think in that, 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 like, you know, what they were doing is that, is, is that like, you know, Sonic was, like, you know, first given to them to, like, you know, help market or whatever, and basically, like, everybody at the U.S. branch said that it looked like, you know, uh, to Japanese, it wouldn't sell in the U.S., and that, like, you know... They couldn't, like, imagine this character being, you know, like, um, uh, on cereal boxes for children. And so yep. they had to, like, you know, recreate him to basically, like, be something that was similar to Mario and yet be cooler than Mario. Well, they just see, didn't. Sonic the Hedgehog is known to be as somewhat of a global train wreck in our, our time. However, what people don't pause to consider is the fact that this character in this series was always destined to be a global train wreck. A character who was created for the sole purpose of being better and cooler than Mario. <laughs> and designed by a board of executives as far as, you know, as far as the marketability is concerned. And yet, very talented developers were able to take him, uh, this Sonic character, and turn him into something likable and something that could exist for many years, and they remade him along the way twice, I guess, at this point. So we ought to give them some credit. Here, here. Here, here. Yeah. <sighs> so... But yeah, it's a good book, though, so... Yeah, that's think. cool. I remember that Sonic History book being pretty awesome as well. I haven't read it in a while. Uh, it's, it's okay. Um, I read it, like, directly after Hyrule Historia, so it seemed a bit lame. Okay. Uh, <laughs> some typos in it. Right. And, uh, really I knew a lot of the information. Maybe I'm thinking of a different book. I thought I remember really there were some interesting tidbits, yeah. no joke, but uh, it wasn't brilliant by any means. Uh, let's see. Anything else? I don't think I've... Ooh, we only played Divinity really recently. Surely we've been doing something else this past week. Oh, right. I played a ton of Shogun. Oh, yeah. Faux Shogun. Yeah. Don't finish that. <laughs> okay. Two. Uh, anyway, yeah, I actually did finish my campaign in that and ruled all of Japan pretty much. Ruled enough of Japan where they're all bad to me. And you learned how to play Total War I games, learned how to actually play. So apparently to learn how to actually play a Total War game requires reading a 52,000-word guide beforehand explaining how the games <laughs> work, <laughs> which I did. Read through all of it. It was awesome. Actually... Let me see if I can find the name of it. I want to get a shout-out for this person, because it was just, like, on the forums. This person just created Which it. makes it uh, somewhat silly, somewhat tragic, that for years you have been dumping hours into a game that you did not know how I to I do some. Play. I just know more now. And it was awesome. But to the point where all of your old tactics Some of them were correct. Revealed. Some of oh, them were okay. not. So it's Frog so Beast heard. Eggs Guide, the Total War Shogun. <laughs> you can find it on the uh, totalwar.forums.totalwar.org. Um, yeah, Frog Beast Egg. Great person, amazing. Is that related to Ice Frog? Maybe this is secretly Ice Frog. Who knows? That's it, it is such a well-put-together guide. It goes through everything except... Well, is it as good as the Banjo-Tooie guide that we printed off of GameFAQs in 2003? It's different. I can't compare them directly. 
But, okay, so there are a few things uh, they couldn't get to, like naval combat, but everything it does cover, which will basically get you to the basis of the game, it is done in detail and very easy to read while also providing a lot of details. So that was awesome. So if if you were to pick the three main things that you did not know before reading that guide mm. and you do know sure. now and can apply to the game, what The are importance they? of diplomacy... I managed diplomacy and understood diplomacy every step of the game, and it made it completely... Like, I started a game before reading this guide. Within a few turns, all of my neighbors were attacking me, crushed me, and basically killed me. Well, on this one, I made strategic allies, and every time I went at war with someone, I was anticipating it and ready to go with war with them, and had people helping me in those wars up to the end. So you didn't necessarily learn how to get along with... I got along with a lot of them, but it's impossible to get along with all of them to the end, pretty much. You have to fight. Oh, that sound, I think Abraham Lincoln said something. Roughly. About that. It's paraphrasing. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is, and this is kind of a broad one, but just how the economy works. Um, what buildings are a good idea to build. How much in armies upkeep should take up uh, of your overall um, percentage and like where how you should be doing trade routes and that sort of thing. So actually understanding the engine to make money and and not go over your food uh, limit, and so on. And I think the third thing, the third most important thing, I mean, I learned a lot of little things in battles, but I'd understood those better than most of the other concepts. Might have been... Yeah, might have been just the overall idea of, of battle tactics and how to arrange an army, and the idea of, like, what to use all the different units for, because there was a very detailed section in that. So just this idea that... Um, you want to have spearmen always be the base of your army, and then you want to keep swordsmen behind them, and um, you want to keep cavalry on the flanks and not overextend them, and just lots of little unit tactics that there's a there's a correct kind of basis to keep your army that you can then make tweaks to. I was just kind of saying, I'll make an army of 10 horsemen, and now I'll make an army of this, and not really keeping yeah. any sort of pattern or structure. And it turns out there's a... There's some good basic structure you can keep to the army that alone can outmaneuver a lot of stuff you'll be going up against. So, From the little I've played of my simple RTS games, that's true. Yeah, it's just very different uh, when you understand the mistakes that are going on, because Total War is yep. very easy to feel you're not in yep. control. Like, why is everyone yep. routing and running away? They shouldn't be doing that, and so you can start to control it, and when it goes wrong, you know why it's going wrong. And, um... Oh, so yeah. I... Th- what I was going to say. These were the three things I learned. It was very fun. It didn't actually. Oh yeah, would you be unable to watch like a historically based, um, like Shogun movie, without analyzing the tactics? No, I would not. Not if they give okay. me enough, like perspective. perspective. Yes, I would. If it was just like a bunch of camera cuts between people being stabbed, maybe. Yeah, then it would be tougher. But even then, I might be like, why are they sending spearmen in there or something? So, yeah, it's a great game. The, I would. The, uh, Cool. I would recommend it to Zachary uh, because it's about Japanese history, and that's really cool. And I already own the game because somebody told me to buy it once when it was on sale. Played it, did not understand it, got frustrated during the RTS battle segment, and then quit. Okay, so well, Zachary, boy, I have, have a guide for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> and it still is just with the RTS battle system. And I do know that like you know, one can skip those sections. And you can auto-resolve. And can't just do the turn-based strategy parts, but... Yeah, it's a lot like Civ then. Weirdly enough, I spent way more time in the campaign map than I expected. Like, the battles were, weren't a huge part of the overall experience, but... Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, weren't as huge as Wait, I so the ga- Why not just play Civ? Because then? I kind of like how this plays more than Civ. What? 
Civilization's pretty good. I'm not saying Civilization isn't good, but I kind of just... This required... I mean, I would I would have to try to understand Civ on this level, and in a weird way, this seems a lot more daunting than understanding this on this level, because there's just so much to Civilization. And at least at this point, I feel I'm playing more strategically when I play this game than when I'm playing Civilization, just because of the level of understanding I have of it. Oh, well. So... I guess that it's makes sense. a lot more fun for me than Civilization has been. But Civilization is great. Speaking of fun, yeah. I believe it is time to announce to the world that I have officially completed the Cataclysm content in World of Warcraft, and I only have one more expansion. Me too. Mists of Pandaria before I caught up to Warlords of Draenor. Well done, sir. I Thanks. saw you reach level 85. I was in the room at the time. It was awesome. Um, and I am also at level 85, so we can go on to Pandaria. It would be fun. That's so exciting. Uh, just even more um, uh, Asian <laughs> culture, so faithfully recreated. And we've been cramming the World of Warcraft behind-the-scenes uh, Oh, man, the, as well. the quality leap in the Cataclysm DVD was crazy. That got really good. So, I remember, last time Zachary laughed in my face at the offer of coming over to watch the <laughs> World of Warcraft right, documentaries. He did. Um, but the offer still stands, Zach. We have two more to go, so... The offer may still stand, but I'm still going to ha-ha-ha your offer. <laughs> the, the laugh still stands yeah. for our offer that still stands. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. I got a little bored near the end, uh, but it is World of Warcraft, so it I'm looking forward to going is. on to the next one. Well, we actually need to get going, Stephen. We, we sure do. Meeting. Um, we sure so, do. Oh, that's unfortunate. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. But hey, we're we're pretty close to the hour mark, so I mean, we yeah. gotta get out of here for Grumpy Cameron. Of all the times, all the times we don't even get to one hour, Cameron well, he's isn't not here. here a lot of the time these days. So, good point. Good riddance. <sighs> Man, that's just mean. I that's crossing love the line. Cameron. He's a valued member. Of our podcast, I would never say anything if, to him. If you're listening him, to this, Cameron, his family. You're great. Hi, Cameron. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a Skype message okay. right now. Well, while you do you that, are great. I'm gonna end this here podcast here. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Yeah. Okay, I sent the message. I uh, thank you, Brian. Of course. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> we love the show. And that'll wow. be it. Who would have known that we can get like you know uh, that kind of feedback right now? Wow, it's like it's like having a Twitch chat only with less delay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been Disembodied Voices. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are the DB Cast. Uh, our website is thedbcast.com. I personally am on Twitter at Lord Meldor. That's two hours at the end. Uh, Zachary is Phazon Masher. Stephen is Stephen Kelly one eighty. Um, and me. we are a part of Wales Are Wales, which is a network of different podcast shows and just creative internet media that you can find at WalesAreWales.com or on Twitter at WalesAreWales or on Facebook. Are we on Facebook now? No. Oh. <laughs> We're planning to be on Facebook. Wait, I could have sworn we are. Wait, Wales yeah. Are Wales? Uh, let me look. I could have sworn Wales Are Wales is on Facebook. I thought you no. made us body voices. Um, don't want to be that uh, hold that thought. All right. Yes, yes. Yes. We are also on Facebook. Go so there. Go like I guess. Find a way. Or something. Yeah. That's what you do on Facebook. Go poke us. I'm going to invite Cameron to. Uh, and yeah, that'll be it. Like us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, go check us out on iTunes and leave a review if you like us. Or if you don't. But preferably if you do. And have a week.